Hello and welcome to this week's edition of SBC This Week, a roundup of news and views from around the Southern Baptist Convention. SBC This Week is hosted by Amy Whitfield and Jonathan Howe. Hey Jonathan, how's it going? It's going well. It's our first news episode of the new year. I'm excited. Got a lot to cover today. Well, actually, we don't. We're. But, you know, I was going to say it's some kind big of some big things not, to cover. Yeah, big stories, but not a lot of stories. Which that's that's not bad. Yeah, we appreciate that. It keeps the uh, the show a little bit shorter and and doesn't yes. make it drag on and on uh, when we have a, a whole lot of stories. Uh, but uh, we we got some we got some big ones this week. Yeah, and one that caught us by surprise. So uh, we'll get to that here in a minute. But uh, before we do that, we do want to thank. Our sponsors, located in Louisville, Kentucky, the Southern Baptist Theological Seminary, is committed to training future pastors, missionaries, and gospel leaders. You can learn more about undergraduate, graduate, and doctoral degree programs at Southern by visiting sbts.edu. they got a lot going on up there at uh, Southern. I know uh, they're about to kick off their spring semester, and so are you guys at Southeastern. And uh, around the SBC, all the seminaries about to get ready to kick back off uh, this this spring semester. Yeah, it's been slow for several weeks, and uh, it's uh, we're we're starting to see people getting back after the holidays. New student orientation plans are underway, and a couple weeks we'll be just back in the swing. Which is your favorite semester, the spring or the fall? Oh, that's a good question. Um, I ask good questions. Probably the fall. Uh, particularly at the time of orientation and getting back, just because when students are coming on campus, the weather's still pretty nice. And so it, it just people are outside. There are a lot of events outside. Um, starting the spring semester, you know, you're kind of it's cold. waving. Yeah. yeah, you're just waving <laughs> at each other as you rush into a building. So it doesn't allow for the fellowship and camaraderie. Oh, okay. Know. That makes sense. All right. All righty. Well, mine is uh, typically the spring semester because that's whenever we typically travel to seminaries is the spring. So I don't oh, get to go to seminaries fair. in the fall and we always wind right. up going in the spring. So, yeah, you know. it's kind of our daily life here. So, yeah. So, all right. Well, let's jump into it, Amy. Big news out of Dallas this week. Guidestone announces that they have uh, secured a new location and sold their building. Yeah, I this I wasn't expecting no. this at all. Did yeah. not see this coming. Had not heard one inkling of news about this until it happened. So right, I, I mean, and there's like, wow, yeah, yeah, and there's been a lot of discussion about buildings relocating, uh, but most of them in Nashville. Yeah, in Nashville and Southern California and yes. elsewhere. Uh, we, we've had a lot of state conventions that have moved and, and are in new buildings and things like that, but. Right. The Guidestone news kind of caught me by surprise, and I think caught a lot of people by surprise. So let's jump into the details of this thing. Uh, they're planning to relocate in the late summer of 2018 to 115,000 square feet of new leased offices about 10 miles north of their current facility that they sold. Now, um, the sale was announced. A sum was not announced, but the Dallas Central Appraisal District uh, have appraised the building and the property that they sold at around $33.55 million uh, the last time that was appraised. So we don't have a, a total on what they sold it as, uh, but we are told that the proceeds from the sale will continue to drive the benefit programs for Southern Baptists and others as it is authorized to serve as part of the ministry assignment with the SBC. So it looks like they're putting that um, that capital into uh, you know the operating expenses going on at Guidestone. Uh, the, the current building that they just sold has just under 200,000 square feet, uh, somewhere around 194,000 square feet and change. So they're, they're downsizing to 115,000 square feet. 
uh, with uh, more technology, better use of office space, I'm sure, as well. Uh, they've been in the current facilities since 1989, and Guidestone currently employs just over 400 employees. Wow. And this is, hopefully, uh, it looks like it's going to provide a savings of $3 million a year because of just kind of casting off the office space that they weren't using, moving to a location that uh, is is more cost effective, things like that. And so that will also help their bottom line. Yeah, it will. And uh, Guidestone's operating budget is around $100 million uh, at last report, the 2016 numbers. I think their uh, their expenses were around $97 million. Uh, operating revenue was around $87 million. So they're going to drop down uh, that expense side of the operating budget uh, $3 million just by moving into the new facility. And then they have the capital uh, from the sale as well to be able to use uh, in the future. So uh, we were seeing this a lot. It won't be the last building sale that we see in the SBC. Uh, I'm, you know, I wouldn't be surprised to see two or three others in state conventions uh, in 2018 sell their buildings or plan to sell. And, and there's also you know, the possibility of the SBC Executive Committee building in downtown Nashville. I know that's been discussed at previous Executive Committee meetings. And right. it, it may come up again next month at the, yeah. uh, the executive committee meeting in February. And and when you think about so many of our um, so many of our entities do their work in sort of traditional office buildings. So you know the entity I'm a part of, and and uh, and f- most of the others are on you know sort of traditional campuses. That's that's a little more now Golden Gate. Yeah, completely uh, different model. Then, Right, completely different model, which then became Gateway, um, did sell their campus. But, you know, for me, when I think about uh, about selling, that's a really big deal when you're talking about a campus. But a lot of our entities are in traditional office buildings. Yeah. And this is, a, this is a time in a lot of cities where change is happening, you know, as, as Lifeway uh, discovered, not only was this about stewardship, but also things were changing in your city. And it was the right time uh, for this. So I think probably a lot of entities at the state and national level are discovering the same thing. Yeah, and that was actually mentioned in uh, the release from uh, Guidestone. It said that they're able to take advantage of the the boom in Dallas and get a good price for their current facility, move to another area and uh, and, uh, more centrally located because Dallas kind of stretching north toward Denton along that uh, the I-35 corridor and, and elsewhere. So uh, moving just a few miles north makes a huge difference. I, I know we Lifeway just moved a, a few blocks, and the difference in the commute because of the way you go and how you get to the new building is totally different uh, than the other one. So, you know, this 10 miles may not sound like a lot, but it may shave off 30 or 40 minutes of someone's commute, you know, if they lived in that North Dallas area. So, uh, it, it you know, so it's exciting to see other entities, you know, making those financial steps and, and taking the necessary steps to to uh, remain viable and provide great work conditions for their employees. Yeah. All right, Amy, it's the first of the month. You know what that means. CP. We've got some pretty good news. We're 0.98% above last year's first quarter after the first quarter of the 2018 budget. That's correct. And it's the highest first quarter budget in six years. Yeah, we brought in just a little bit over $46 million, making this the highest first quarter in CP receipts since at least 2012. That's how far back my records go and the records on SBC.net. So we've had a really strong first quarter, even though it's behind the budgeted percent uh, because of how the money comes in. uh, January is typically the largest month. We will catch up more than likely at the end of January and be well above budget. 
And uh, so, you know, it's looking good right now. I, I didn't realize that people may see this and say, well, we're 3.69% under budget. Well, we're still higher than we have been any year in the past six to seven years. And January is still coming. We only need about $17.8 million, I think, uh, my calculations were to catch back up with budget. And we haven't had a January under $17.8 million since at least 2011. Uh, that's as far back as the numbers I have go. So I'm, I'm very confident that we will be ahead of budget at the end of January, headed into February. And that's great. And just in time for the meeting in February, um, we'll be looking forward to hearing those numbers uh, in about a month. All right. Also, some financial news around the SBC. Uh, the Pastors Conference uh, from 2017, Dave Miller and his uh, gang have put out a financial report from their Pastors Conference, kind of showing some uh, a peek behind the curtain, so to speak, of uh, what goes on and what it takes to run a Pastors Conference. And it was very, very encouraging uh, numbers in the report. Yeah, I thought so too. And and I also just really appreciated sort of the spirit behind it and their desire. Yeah, they don't to, have to do this. Right, right. Because there's no, I mean, there's nothing directing them to do it. So their desire to be really transparent about it. Um, I think that that just demonstrates a really good stewardship on their part. And that's not to say that past teams, you know, that have, have handled pastors conferences, I, I'm assuming they've shown great stewardship. Yeah. We, it, where was this never, there was never any mechanism in place to issue a financial report. Yeah. And so Dave Miller uh, sort of just did this on his own with his team. And uh, so we think, and David Roach uh, wrote the Baptist Press story about it, that it's probably the first public financial report. So just doing it was a, a great thing. And I think it also helps the people uh, to see what all goes into the pastor's conference. Yeah, some people may think, well, it, it's not that big of an endeavor, or it, it just takes a few things. So there's a lot of moving parts. There's a yes. lot that goes on. There's a lot that has to be paid for. And and Dave and them were not only able to do this, but they were also able to remember sixty people scholarshiped to come. So and, and they were pa able to pass on some money to Mission Dignity and some to the next year's conference. So uh, they were able to to help pastors get there to provide for widows and retired pastors through the Mission Dignity Fund at Guidestone, and help HB Charles and his team, who's leading it this year, have something in the bank to kind of get started with early on for 2018. So fantastic report from Dave Miller and the Pastors Conference from 2017. Yep, looking forward to 2018 uh, with H.B. Charles and his team uh, for the Pastors Conference in Dallas. And now let's move on to Lifeway, where the walls came tumbling down this now, past weekend. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I guess. So. Well, the, the old walls. Um, yes. Ironically enough, Amy, uh, I, yes. my Bible reading had me in Joshua 6. On Saturday, you're kidding. I am not you kidding. You are kidding. If, if you're using the uh, the Professor Horner Bible reading, I think that's the name of the plan. the The one that takes you through ten passages a day, right. ten different chapters a day. Um, the January six reading was part of it was Joshua six, and uh, yeah, so I, it was it was ironic that I'm sitting at the Opryland Hotel. We uh, had a, a night away with my wife for our anniversary, and I'm reading my Bible, and it's Jan. It, it's the walls came tumbling down, and I look at my phone a little while later and watched literally the walls come tumbling down at Draper Centennial Tower uh, as the implosion happened this past week. Well, the funny thing was we, you know, we knew about it, and of course there were several live stream options. We watched the Tennessean, and we, um, you know, mirrored uh, with our television so we could put it up there. 
and we we got Mary to come in for it, and then we had told Drew, come watch the Lifeway building, and we thought he knew what was going on. We thought he had heard us talking, and we called him up, and he was like, why are we watching this? And he then all of a sudden, it was these, you know, bang, 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 and then it went, and of course, it happened so quickly, and he looked at us and said, Nobody said anything about an explosion. That was awesome. <laughs> and so what was interesting though is I was I was really looking forward to just, you know, just the fact that we could live stream it and see it from here. I was a little sad when it like actually happened. I mean, I just kind of felt, wow, there it's gone. Yeah. While that wasn't like the specific building that you worked in at Lifeway, it, right. it's still, you know, that was part of the campus. It's it's kind of weird. I was I had dinner downtown Friday night at a restaurant right around the corner from there, and I took a picture of it. And uh, it was basically the last night that you could take yeah. a picture of that, and and I got a picture of it. Yeah, and, and, uh, and no, man. I and yeah, and I worked in uh, the Sullivan Tower, and I worked in the West Wing, so I did not. Um, yeah, I never I did. did as, ever, I never did either. Yeah, so I never actually had an office in Draper, but obviously you go in there for meetings. Conference and space, I, a lot and, of that was over there. Right, and that's also where I parked. So I would always go in through the Draper Tower. Oh, you parked on the roof. I did. So when um, so when we were watching it, the we were watching the Tennesseans live stream, so it was coming from that angle, from their building. And so I told the kids, I was like, yeah, that's you know right where I parked, and we'd go in. And then it just came, it just came down. Now, my favorite, there, of course, there's a lot of action on Twitter from it. Yes. From Lifeway people, from Nashville people, from NBC in, News. Yeah. When NBC News tweeted it, then lots of people who didn't even know what was going on had reactions. But, um, but my favorite one was from Scott McConnell uh, at Lifeway Research who tweeted, uh, those elevator towers never did cooperate or had a long history of not cooperating yeah. because they were the two that came down last. And so that just made me laugh. I thought that was really funny. But uh, it, it was really interesting. And, you know, we've got the Baptist Press story. We'll put that in the show notes. Um, but also, there were so many. I mean, if you go and search on Twitter, you can see videos from all these different angles. Yep. You can see an Instagram boomerang with it going up and down. And the CBS uh, affiliate in Nashville, News Channel 5, had a shot from a helicopter. And that was fascinating Yeah, that was really well. neat. That was really neat. Yeah. Now, my favorite tweet was from fake J.D. Greer. And uh, oh, referencing yes. the, the Kim Jong-un, I've got a button, Donald Trump, I've got a bigger button. And then yes. Tom Rainer, hold my grape juice. Yes. Here it is. That, it, was, that was pretty that funny. That was amazing. That was an amazing tweet. So a lot of yes. Lifeway people really really enjoyed that one. So uh, there's some pictures at uh, Baptist Press if you want to see that. Uh, the one that's kind of like in process is, is, is really strange. Um, just yeah. seeing how it's just falling apart and just crumbling on top of itself. So uh, it's, right. it's really strange to, to look in downtown Nashville now and, and not see that tower. But uh, that, yeah. that is the new day here in Nashville, and uh, uh, go out and check out the video. Uh, there's a GIF I think we posted uh, on the uh, the Twitter page and Facebook page for SBC this week as well of and the, also, uh, the entire employment. And, and there's also a GIF there, too. And a GIF. Right. That's right. Depending on who you ask. Yeah, depending on if you're wrong or not, like Amy. Um, <laughs> all right. Last couple stories, some sad news, Amy. Uh, one that, yes. uh, as a seminary employee, I, I know really probably hits, even though it's not your seminary, probably hits home. Uh, oh, a yes. New Orleans student 
Emily Martin passed away on a mission trip to Kenya over the Christmas break. Just some heartbreaking news uh, from New Orleans. And we also lost the, uh, the co-founder of Awana this past week. Yeah, both of those really difficult. You know, of course, the, the student um, just hits home because all of, all of our seminaries have had to deal with that. Um, and I was at Southern when that would happen, and Southern Seminary has seemed to have dealt with that a lot through the years. Uh, and then we've dealt with it here, and it's just crushing, you know, when you, when you have a student uh, that is – uh, when you have a, a student that dies. And so when we see that at another institution, we just hurt, you know, for them. And then for it to be, you know, while she's serving on this mission trip, and it seemed like Kenya was a place she was really called to. Um, and so that's just, that's really difficult. It seems like she has a, a tremendous legacy that will uh, carry on and will will make an impression on many uh, to come. But we just are in prayer for her family. Um, but also for the New Orleans Seminary family. Yes, uh, absolutely. And as well, the uh, the co-founder of Awana, Art Rohrheim. Yeah, that's right. And as well, the, uh, the the co-founder of, Art, of Awana, Art Rohrheim, has passed away at 99 years old. Uh, wow, what a legacy he leaves behind. A lot of game circles out there um, as part of his legacy as well. So, uh, so our prayers are out to both the Rohrheim family and the Martin family. Uh, at this time. Before we get to our next uh, segment, Amy, this week in SBC history, I want you to, to kind of give our listeners uh, some information on a story they may be hearing about uh, regarding High Point Church in Memphis and the SBC. This is something that probably most people who are listening have seen some have seen something about it, whether it's on uh, Twitter or uh, in, I mean, tons of new Tons of news sites, New York Times, Washington Post, lots of people uh, have covered this. And it's a story about a church in Memphis um, uh, called High Point um, and a pastor on staff teaching Pastor Andy Savage over an event, over something that happened 20 years ago when he was at a a different church in Texas. Um, I'm going to probably not go into all the details here except to say this, this is something that fits in the context of uh, recent cultural conversations about abuse, the uh, Me Too movement. Um, and obviously this has kind of shaken a lot of people up. So we want to just be kind of, I guess, put it in context for a few things. And then we're going to be working on this through the next week to maybe discuss it some uh, on next week's episode. Uh, but what we do know is that the uh, the church where he was on staff 20 years ago is an SBC church. One of the pastors involved in the situation uh, has been on staff for some time at Austin Stone, which is also an SBC church. Um, Austin Stone has already uh, made a statement and they are are kind of walking through this in one particular way. Uh, There is some question about uh, High Point Memphis. Uh, It's been reported as a non-denominational church. Um, people have found them in the church search database on sbc.net. I think there is, but there is also, uh, I think there's been some back and forth about whether they are part of the SBC or not. Um, when it comes to the actual case, that obviously does not matter uh, as far as our thoughts and understanding on how we handle situations like this, what it means to rightly handle allegations of abuse uh, when it happens and when it comes out two decades later. Uh, but as far as for practical purposes and how it affects the SBC, we're trying to kind of figure that out. 
uh, over the next week. And then also to think through what that then means, because our structure as the SBC is very different from other denominations. And so I've seen some discussion about, well, what does the SBC, you know, even do or why aren't they doing something? And we have a lot of reasons for that. Um, but we want to get, uh, get a few kind of details correct on this. Uh, so we wanted to address it since everyone is talking about it right now and say that next week that's going to be um, something we kind of dig into. All right. Yeah. And like we, we have, uh, we have an inquiry into the SBC executive committee to try to determine whether or not they actually are an SBC church. They do have an SBC ID. However, they have not uh, really cooperated, I guess you could say, uh, over the past few years. So I don't really have a, a lot of details right now. Like you said, we're, we're still digging into that, trying to find out more. And uh, we expect to have a more complete story on next week's episode. All right, Amy, that's going to bring us to my favorite part of the week this week in SBC history. Amy, blow our minds. All right, we're going to go back 30 years ago um, to a Baptist Press article. It's by Dan Martin. It was published on January 12th, and it was about the Peace Committee. Oh, um, okay. Yeah, so, so the headline is Peace Committee Discusses Report. And so uh, for those of you who... Um, have tracked much on a conservative resurgence history. Obviously, the Peace Committee uh, will stand out to you. You know what that was. Yeah, we had a great interview with Dr. Moeller about that uh, a few months about ago. About it, yes. So this was an article that I think would just be really interesting for those who are, are uh, who who just like to read about that. The the Peace Committee had been working for eighteen months, and they were supposed to bring their final report to the June uh, eighty seven meeting. And so they'd, they'd been in place since June of 1985. They were getting ready. So Charles Fuller uh, was uh, the chairman, and they just had their 12th meeting, and he did an interview with Baptist Press. So it was, uh, it was really interesting. He said that they were hoping to have the report or an outline to share with the executive committee, and they wouldn't have that, but they would have a progress report. Uh, so he's talking through what all is going to come. And then, you know, of course, this is a report we can now go in and see what all they shared at the SBC that year. But uh, he does give some highlights uh, as far as how the meetings uh, went. He said um, the that the meeting in January was characterized by dialogue and exchange. He said in one session in particular, another hard confrontation with what must be dealt with in our recommendation to the convention. Um, we will continue to schedule discussion of political matters on our agenda. I um, mean, you know, so they were, they were dealing with, uh, with several things. And then you go down and it starts talking about the question of theological diversity in the SBC seminaries, which was at the heart of the controversy. And uh, he goes through all of that, dealing with where the Peace Committee had completed their preliminary investigation, um, theological statement, political statement. He This is a long, it's a three-page article, very interesting. Um, and it reminds me of just how, you know, we have all these different stories we're covering every week. But at that time, I mean, truly, you go into Baptist Press and really there was one story just all the time. Um, and you would have these other ones. You'd have things that were happening on the mission field, which is a good reminder of what was still going on um, then. But you also, uh, we also 
see that there was one major thing that was on the mind of Southern Baptist during that time. And so, you know, we, we said we didn't have a lot of stories this week, uh, but 30 years ago, um, there was a big story on everyone's minds. And when we, uh, when we look at some of the changes that have happened, uh, it's just kind of worthy of reflection. Uh, so the peace committee was all the talk 30 years ago this week in SBC history. All right. And depending on what circles you are in these days, you can still find some peace committee talk if you talk to the right people, I guess. Yeah. If, if that's I mean, your thing, you know. <laughs> Right. But like you said, we had an interview um, on the show with uh, Dr. Muller talking about that. And there are a lot of other people that can can still tell some stories from that time. All right, Amy, that's going to bring us to the resources of the week. Your resource of the week is? My resource of the week is something that we just got in our house. It's actually what I gave Keith for Christmas. And I got the idea from imb.org. In a, they had a, they had something that was uh, some suggestions of gifts. Uh, it was a, a blog post, I think, and uh, they had several different opportunities for sponsoring things and things. But then they had some other um, items, and this was a uh, map that you can put. It's a world map that you can put on your wall, and it's a black background, and then the countries and states are in sort of a gold color, and then it comes with this thing that looks like a guitar pick. And you scrape off the places where you have visited, and then they sort of come through with um, with color. Or you can scrape off the places like the you know countries where you are focusing on praying for certain people groups, or where you have missionaries, uh, whatever. But I, it was a really really neat thing. We're really excited about it, and are finding the right spot in the house to hang it. And I think it it could be a cool idea and something really simple because I've seen that in some churches on the walls where they have, you know, these really elaborate things. Well, not everybody can do that in their house, but this was a really neat product. So I uh, thought I'd throw that out there. Usually we do books or music, you know, magazines, things like that. But this is something kind of fun. Uh, so I'm going to throw that in there. All right. Well, that makes my resource of the week look kind of lame. Um, mine's, That's my goal. Mine's a book. And not a lame uh, book, though. It's not, not a, lame a lame book. book. Because it's an awesome book from an awesome author. It's Supernatural Power for Everyday People from the one and only Jared C. Wilson uh, up in Midwestern. And uh, Jared is a fantastic writer, one of my favorite writers. I, I get everything and read everything that he writes. So uh, I'm looking forward to this new book. It comes out in just a couple of weeks. It's actually available on Amazon already. So you can get a copy of it on Amazon uh, and also on Lifeway.com. So uh, check it out. Supernatural Power for Everyday People from... One of the best, I think, just pure writers in the SBC, Jared Wilson. Very cool. All right. Well, I mean, that's going to do it for us this week. we got to get buttoned up. Uh, we, we're expecting some winter weather here in Nashville this weekend. we got uh, some possible snow coming. So there, there's no eggs, milk, or bread. Everybody's making French toast this weekend Absolutely, here in Nashville. Absolutely, yes. And, um, well, so, maybe you'll get what we didn't. We were uh, this Did y'all not get anything from that? Barely, we got a dusting. If you oh, actually looked wow. at the radar, there was this uh, massive snowstorm that was passing over uh, the state, you know, and in Virginia. And we, there was this little um, 
open kind of hole in the middle and it was right over Raleigh. Wow. And so we just got barely a dusting. Now we were supposed to be back in Waverly, Virginia this past Sunday and Keys was going to uh, be a guest um, preacher to kick off their 140th anniversary. So they're having a lot of folks. They're having uh, Keith was going to preach this past weekend. Anthony George, who used to be pastor there, uh, is going to be there in a few, excuse me, is going to be there in a few weeks. Um, so we were excited about going. The kids were excited, and they got 10 to 12 inches. Whoa! So they canceled. Um, so we we have rescheduled for April, where I don't think we will get snowed out. Um, but uh, the winter weather, it was very cold. Didn't get a lot of snow here, but it was very, very cold. So while you get your winter weather this weekend, we're going to enjoy the break. Uh, we, I think, broke a North Carolina state record for consecutive hours below freezing. Yeah, so, well, we had a lot last weekend, too, yeah. And then yes. it kind of warmed up, and now we're getting snow this weekend. So be fun times. That's going to lead us into what's probably going to be quite a busy February for Amy. We've got a lot of trustee meetings. Guidestone has a trustee meeting. Uh, at the end of the month, uh, February 26th, LifeWay is at the beginning of the month on February 5th, IMB on February 12th, Executive Committee February 19th. So uh, February is like trustee meeting month for the SPC, and uh, we expect uh, some some news out of those trustee meetings. So uh, it'd be uh, fun to watch and uh, just kind of get geared up for the SPC leading into uh, our big convention in June. So start making plans again. Uh, if you haven't made them already, make plans to join us in Dallas in June for the SPC annual meeting. And Amy, is there is there anything, any one thing that you're looking forward to the most about going to Dallas this summer? Um, barbecue. Barbecue, not Tex-Mex, not Papacitas, not the did, oh, not the Trace Leches cake. Maybe Tex-Mex. The Trace Leches at, at yeah, Papacitas. Probably Tex-Mex. And I'm just looking forward to, we were actually showing our kids uh, like the hotel and kind of the map of downtown. Are we they were coming just doing again? that this week. They are. Excellent. They are. So, uh, so I'm looking forward to that, just our family being there. I should bring my kids and let Mary babysit them. Uh, she will do it. She does charge by the hour. Oh, well, never mind then. All right. Well, thanks again for joining us. Thanks again to Southern Seminary for sponsoring us each and every week. And we will see you next week. See you next week.